And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. Today's guest is Michelle Claire. Michelle had a near-death experience following a traumatic brain injury in 2011. And today we're going to talk about that and more. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us and welcome. Hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So I didn't mention it in the intro, but you've actually had three NDEs. So would you like to start with the most impactful one or in chronological order? Let's start in chronological order because I feel like each one is a stepping stone to the next level. Sounds good. Okay. My first one I had was in April 2000, and I was actually in the hospital that day visiting my sister-in-law who had just had a baby. And I was in the hallway talking to my sister-in-law's nurse who happened to be my friend from high school. And suddenly I had a massive seizure and I had never had one prior to that and never had one again. And what I remember is opening my eyes and I was laying with my head in my grandma's lap. And my grandma had transitioned a couple years before this. And I remember looking at her and seeing how beautiful and healthy, the youngest, best version of grandma that I could remember. I remember feeling timelessness. I remember feeling completeness in a way that I had never felt it on earth before, loved beyond words. And I started looking around and I realized I was in this white room that had walls, but it was different than the walls we have here on earth because the walls were alive. And each like cell or molecule in the wall was almost like radiating and, and breathing itself. And as I looked around, I looked up next to my grandma. There was this angel that was probably 12 feet tall. It was huge. And I remember seeing how beautiful she was. And I remember going to her wings and expecting to see feathers. And what I actually saw was more like iridescent light and it was moving and and it looked kind of like the Aurora Borealis, except that these wings seemed to span eternity. It was like they just trailed off into eternity. I truly couldn't see the end of them. And as I was looking at her and just sitting in awe of her beauty and her presence, I I thought to myself, what is your name? And she answered me in my head. She said her name was Madeline. And I was a little surprised because I didn't, I'd never thought about telepathy before. And she let me know that she was one of my guardian angels. And I was just sitting in this environment, soaking it up. I I didn't worry about how I got there. When I was leaving, I was so present in the moment. And then the next thing I know, I heard them yelling, code, code, code. And I was back in my body because I had quit breathing during that. And I remember like trying to lift up my arm and my arm felt like it weighed a hundred pounds. My body felt so heavy and dense after where I had just been. And that was my first near-death experience. It's fascinating that people seem to mention that angels are really, really tall. I mean, not everybody, but it's pretty common. And you said it was 12 feet. Do you feel like it's possible that it's the angel is that big? Or do you feel like maybe you're an orb of energy and so it appears that big? I think that's an amazing question. And I have to say both. Maybe I was an orb of energy and it appeared that big. But also I do know in my communication with angels as a medium that their presence is huge. Their energy is big. So to me, it makes sense that they would show up in a really large size because their energy is so big. 
All right. Well, that was a pretty fascinating experience. What happened on your next NDE? Okay. My next NDE happened in May 2006. And I had had my, I have three kids and my youngest one had been born April um, prior to that. And after I had him, I had multiple complications. So I was having um, fevers and infections and I was in the hospital about five days, go home for two, be back in the hospital. This went on for six weeks. And then finally they said to me, we need to do a DNC, which is basically where they clear your uterus. They don't know if there's placenta in there or what's happening, but they said this will be a 45 minute outpatient procedure. It'll be fine and you'll be headed home. So I said, okay. But the night before I had this intuition and this gut feeling that I should not go through with it, but I was so tired of being in the hospital. So I just went ahead and did it, even though everything in me said, don't do that. I went the next morning, the doctor said the same thing. Anesthesiologist said the same thing. It'll be quick, easy. We'll have you home soon. And so I said, okay. I do remember like counting backwards for the anesthesiologist. And then I've had surgeries prior to this. And in those surgeries, when I've had anesthesia, I have no memory. It's just kind of gone. It's, I don't remember dreaming. I don't remember anything. But at this moment I, in there, I remember I opened my eyes and I'm on the gurney in the operating room. And I had this beautiful white German shepherd named Tahoe who had transitioned a couple years before this. And I saw her walk into the operating room, lay her head on my gurney to check on me because she always did that when she was here in a body. And the next thing I knew we were gone and we were on this phenomenal beach. And once again, I'm in this timeless place where I feel 100% complete. I feel loved beyond words. The water and the ocean's alive. The plants are alive. Everything is alive. There are colors that we haven't even seen here on earth. And we're running on this beach and I'm looking at her and I can see she's healthy. She's beautiful. I can tell she's happy to see me. We're also communicating telepathically and I can feel her energy. And as we're running and running, I notice that the sand feels like clouds. There's not an impact with each step. It's just effortless. And I also notice that we're not tired. We're not thirsty. We're not hot. And I thought, wow, this is kind of interesting. And the other thing was in this near-death experience, I really realized that there was only the present moment. It was just each breath and each step. There was almost nothing before it and nothing after. I wasn't worried about my kids, which typically as a mom, I'm worried, but where are my kids? What are they doing? Do they need me? Or um, None of that was there. It was just each breath, each step until all of a sudden, energetically, my six-week-old son, who was at the house while I was having this surgery, knew that I was getting ready to leave. And I remember energetically being called to him and telling him, I will find a way to stay because he was really scared that I was going to go. And then I started to pray or ask for help, if you would call it that. And I started saying, it's not my time. I've got to stay. I've got to raise my kids. It's not my time. And I remember then the operating room filling up with this beautiful white light. I call it the Christ light, but I also felt like Jesus was involved in this, that Jesus was in this room. And, and I knew that I was going to be able to stay. And the next thing I know, I remember waking up 
in the post-op and I looked at the clock on the wall and it had been three and a half hours since my surgery started. And what had happened was the doctor had ruptured my uterus and missed my aorta by less than a millimeter. So they had to pack it. And then while the laparoscopic surgeon was in there trying to repair that, it got ruptured in a second place. So a couple of days after that, the laparoscopic surgeon came in to check on me and he flat out said to me, he said, Michelle, someone was watching over you that day. You should not be here right now. And I had no doubt, no doubt. I, I remembered clearly, but in this near-death experience is where I realized our soul can have multiple experiences at the exact same time. When we are no longer tethered to our human body, which puts us in one place at a time, my soul was effortlessly running on this phenomenal beach with my beautiful dog. And yet at the same time connected to my son and asking for help and guidance. And what was really amazing about that was the fact that I don't feel like my soul is different than anyone else's. So if I was able to ask for help and usher in a miracle or whatever we want to call that, I feel like everyone's soul is capable of doing that. When someone is under anesthesia, your brain is at a frequency where you don't dream. That makes a lot of sense to me that, you know, you would probably or most likely had your NDE because you should be just in total blackness. Exactly. And that's how surgery had been for me previous time. So mm -hmm. when I came back and it wasn't a dream. It wasn't foggy. It was more vivid and more real than what you and I are doing right now. Mm -hmm. Do you remember any of the conversation you had with your dog? I do. I, I do remember it. It wasn't words. It was feeling. So it was mm -hmm. like just energy exchange. And I could feel her being so happy that I was there. And I could feel myself telling her, I'm so happy to see you. You look so good. You're so beautiful. And without necessarily touching her, we were more connected through energy and telepathy than we, than we could have ever been in this physical world. What about when your son was talking to you? I'm sure it was a telepathic communication, mm -hmm. but what type of voice did you hear? Or was it just a knowingness in your mind? It was a knowingness in my mind. And yet I felt magnetically drawn to him. So I felt like his, his soul and my soul were having a conversation was what it felt like. I didn't hear a baby voice, mm -hmm. but I, but I, I knew, I knew what he was thinking. I knew what he was saying and I knew how scared he was. And, and it makes a lot of sense if you think about it. He was only six weeks old. So, you know, I believe in quantum entanglement too. And I always find quantum physics fascinating. And so for him and I to be entangled on that quantum level, and literally he has only been out of my body for six weeks, you can see how our souls were so connected that he knew without being able to use human words that I was getting ready to leave. You mentioned that you called out or prayed to Jesus to help you. Did you get an actual response from Jesus or just everything turned out okay and you made the assumption that he heard you? No, I, I would say I didn't feel like I got words from Jesus, but I felt Jesus's presence in the operating room. And so without a doubt, I knew he was the one driving my miracle, if you want to call it that. All right. Well, you had another, you had your third one in 2011. What happened on that one? For people who like numbers, that one was on 11-111. And in my house, we have 14-foot ceilings and about 12 feet up. I have these little candles and you replace the batteries and every night they turn on by themselves. And 
So my kids were older. They were five, eight, and 10 at this point in time. And my younger two were home with me. And I said, as soon as I replace this candle in the candle holder, I will, we're going to go get your older sister from school. And I climbed up the ladder. I got towards the top of it. So I'm about 10 feet off the ground. And I felt it start to shift. And I just thought to myself, oh, this is going to hurt. Like this is really going to hurt. And the next thing I know, I was literally ripped out of my body, not in a painful way, but just so fast. I was taken out and I was standing there and I was now facing my body and the ladder suspended in the air. And I was a little bit, I would say maybe confused or not sure what was happening. And then all of a sudden I realized I was standing with three people, two men and one woman. I didn't recognize them, but I knew that I knew them. And I felt like they know me really well, like a close family member type knowing. And I'm standing there with them. And they said, well, well, what would you like to do, Michelle? Do you want to stay or go? And I remember just kind of being confused because I had forever to decide. I didn't feel rushed. And at the same time, I'm looking at my body in the ladder and I'm thinking they're going to hit the floor in less than a second. How do I have forever to make this decision? And at that moment, I saw this beautiful angel, not the same one from my first NDE, a separate one come in. And I knew that this angel was there to carry out my wishes. So if I was going home, that angel was taking me straight home. And if I was going to stay, that angel would find a way for me to stay. And I remember being in this space again, once again, no time, absolutely no time. Love, compassion, completeness. And as I'm standing here with these three people trying to decide what I want to do, I can see my two kids um, in the kitchen with me. And I know immediately that I have to stay. And I felt like at that time, I got a million messages in one second. And I, to this day, I don't believe I remember everything that was said to me. But I know that it was about, Michelle, you've got to come back. And yes, being a mom is part of your purpose but that's not all of it. This gift of mediumship, we expect you to use it to help people. And there are other plans and other things for you to do in your life. And you have to be open to our guidance. And so I felt like I got a huge download of information. I agreed to come back. And then the next thing was I was on the floor. And so what happened with that was as I fell, I hit the back of my head on the corner of my granite island. So I had a five and a half inch skull fracture, a brain bleed. I lost my taste, my smell, part of my hearing and my equilibrium. And I missed my brainstem by half an inch. Mm. So that angel literally moved my head half an inch while I was there. Um, my kids were the ones who ended up calling 911 and getting me help. And my son, Josh, who was five at this time, uh, believed, he, you know, he had tried to call, but his call didn't go through. So we didn't know if he accidentally dialed 991 or what happened. He was only five. And my daughter, Sophie's call went through. So this was November 1st. I was in the hospital about 10 days. And then I came home and was doing different therapies. And the end of January 2012, my son, who was five, started getting really depressed. And he would say, Mom, I didn't need I didn't need to be there when you had your accident. Sophie did it all without me. I didn't do anything to help you. And we would say, but Josh, you, you opened the door for the policeman, and we were trying to really build him up. And he would tell my mom, my mother-in-law, and we could not find the words. So the end of January 2012, My grandfather, who passed away when I was 12 years old, 
came through to me and he came through in an extremely vivid visit. And he talked about my accident and my head injury. And he talked about my son being very good with electronics. Now they've never walked this earth at the same time. I was 12, you know, when my grandfather passed, but he talked about my son being good with electronics. And then he said to me, he said, Michelle, you need to get the nine run one, sorry, the nine one one recording. There's something on there you should know. And I had never thought about that. I didn't actually even know that I could go get that. And so I said, okay. And so, and then he was gone. And so I, I requested it and it took a couple of weeks to come in and I, I played it and I heard them say, nine one one, what's your emergency? And in his little broken voice, I heard my son, Josh say, Sophie, what do I say? And then he laid the phone down. So it was as if in that moment of trauma, he had forgotten that he called. And then for the next minute and a half, you can hear the operator trying to get their attention and saying, you know, can you hear us? What's happening? And then you hear my son say, I'm going to go push the panic button on the house alarm. And my daughter says, hold on, let me try calling 911. She hangs up the phone and her call went through. So when he came home from kindergarten that day, I said to him, I said, Josh, your call went through like help was coming. And it was as if I lifted this 10,000 pound weight off this little boy. And you could literally see his sense of self-worth. I helped you. I I did it. Come floating back in, flooding back in. And then we would go out to eat and the server would say, how's your day? And he would say, oh, it's great. My 911 call went through. And they're kind of like, okay. You know, they didn't know how to respond. But that was my first huge mediumship experience after my head injury. And then it was like when it changes someone's life that you love so much, you can no longer deny what a gift it is. Did you have any other changes within you after the experience? Yeah. So, um, I do, I do have all of that. Now those are some of those things I've had all my life to a certain extent. So when my grandfather passed away, when I was 12, I had communication with him and I would tell my mom and my mom would say, well, I think that's what you would say if he was here. And so I really quickly learned, oh, this is just between me and grandpa. I don't need to share it with anyone. But after the head injury, all of the gifts that I had, which I also do believe we all have, opened up and expanded. And I realized also that there was so much more to this life than I had realized there was before. It literally is like throwing the blinds open and you go, wow. And the fact that you are loved so much and the fact that every moment really is a gift, it changes everything. Since you called out to Jesus before that incident, were Mm -hmm. you a religious person? And if yes or no, how are you today? I was raised Catholic. Um, So yeah, I, I, I had that was my basic religion for a long time. And There are a lot of things about that that were really good for me in the sense that I felt like I had so many beings of light who would help me. All the saints, Mother Mary, you know, it's kind of like I felt like I had my own team. So that part was was very natural for me. Today, I don't subscribe to any organized religion. Um, But I know I just I I think they're all beautiful in their own ways. But I and I think there's a lot of ways that they are helpful and that that's what some people need. But I feel like for me personally, my connection with God, source, the divine is so close. And my ability to interpret what I feel like spirit is telling me is so real that I don't feel like I need another human to lead me to God or or those connections. So when you do mediumship, 
Do you get images and symbols that come to your mind? Or do you hear a voice like in that movie Ghost where she would hear the ghost voice? Yeah. I, you know what? I, once in a while, I'll hear a word. But most of the information comes to me through feelings. So I describe it as you're looking at someone you know really well and you know exactly what they're going to say before they say it, right? That's how I get a lot of my information. But I will also see things in my mind. I will also hear things um, and I will physically feel things too. When I'm doing mediumship, so in my daily life, one thing about mediumship is really most mediums don't walk around on all the time because it's not productive. So we kind of turn the volume up on it when we're working and turn the volume down when we're not. So in my daily life, I don't have, um, I believe, is it called synesthesia? Like where you can feel the color blue or you can feel the number three. But when I'm doing mediumship, I can. And so I'll be able to tell them when I'm doing that. I'm feeling the color red. That's very important. I'm feeling the number four. And so I actually almost expand more into this energy field of feeling than I do words. In what other ways do you think you've been spiritually transformed from these experiences? Yeah. Wow. That's a great question. One of the biggest ways was after my third near-death experience, I was able to come back and look at people. And instead of saying, why does she always pick the same guy? Why does she always date that same kind of person? I was able to come back and start looking at people and say, huh, I wonder what their soul's here to learn. And the other thing is I never see, and it took the third NDE for this to happen. I never look at people and see them as broken anymore. I always know that their soul is whole and that they're on their life path. And the other thing that I know about that is no matter where we are in life, we always have the opportunity to elevate and to learn and to grow. And so I always feel like there are beings of light around us, holding that space for us to learn, grow, and figure things out. So I don't walk around looking at people as broken. I walk around wondering what their soul's here to learn. Have you been in contact with the three spirit guides that you encountered during your experience? And if so, do you believe that that's your soul group? Yes, um, I absolutely have been in contact with them. And um, I I do believe they're part of my soul family in in that sense. So for me, I'll just define that a little bit more. I believe we come in with um, a soul family, not the whole soul family necessarily, but they're going to come in and they're going to, um, you know, we play different parts, right? In this, in this life. And um, for me, I felt like my spirit guides, my life guides are my soul family, but yet they were almost on a little different level. They were the overseers or the guiders, the facilitators. So um, I don't know if they are literally part of my soul family and they stayed there to help me through this, or if they almost came from another level to help me raise my level and my understanding. Do you think that being a medium is your life purpose? And if so, once you've discovered that, how has your life changed? Yeah. So I think it's one of my life purposes. So that's another thing. I don't feel like before my third near-death experience, I felt like my whole life purpose was to be a mom and a wife. I don't believe anyone has just one life purpose. And I also depend, depending on what stages we're at, we have different purposes, right? I feel like being a mom is still a huge part of my purpose, but I feel like being a medium is a huge part of my purpose too. And it has absolutely changed my life in so many ways. 
I, I had to outgrow some people. It was really hard when I came back from that third near death experience, but nobody comes back from those, the same person. You can't, you can't go there and know what you know, and then come back and pretend you're the same person. Although I did try it twice before. And then finally I got my really third big wake up call. Right. Um, and so I will tell you that with that, with the me. Mediumship, it's definitely one of my purposes. I don't think I've discovered all my purposes. I think I have more and I'm still working on that in a fun way. Um, but it's a huge part of my purpose here in this place and time. And it's such an honor. I get to meet the most amazing people and they get to have this sense of peace and this sense of hope. And they get to realize that their connection to their loved one is still happening. They're not gone. They're not in their bodies, but they're still connected to you. So it's truly such an honor to be able to share this with people. After the third experience, did your personality change a lot? And if so, how did your friends and family react to your change? Mm -hmm. So I think I was really blessed in the sense that I was so grateful to be alive and to be here to raise my kids. So I didn't wake up with all of this head trauma and, and I wasn't mad. I wasn't angry. I was just so grateful to still be here. So I was able to come back with a sense of gratitude, which I truly feel like is a gift from source because it wasn't very human of me to feel grateful in that situation, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think my family... They had a hard, my kids were fine. They were little. They were just like, okay, whatever. Mom's mom, you know, and they're still pretty much that way. But I think for some members of my family, it's been really hard because they're like, you're not the person you used to be. You've changed. And my mom being very Catholic was very fearful. Michelle, if there's good, there's evil. How do you know? You know, and, and so I think it, it was hard for all of them. And there were some friends that I had to trail away from, uh, you know, and I had to go find a new tribe. I had to find people who could speak my language and understand what I was saying and not be scared by it because I was in a world where people were uncomfortable with it. Do you have any after effects spiritually from these experiences that you have to deal with? No, I haven't. I've only had one experience with one, with a ghost, if you want to call him a ghost. Um, it was not a negative experience though. So I went to the Institute of Noetic Sciences, which is up in San Francisco, people call it ions. And I was doing um, a study for them as a research medium. And my oldest daughter and I were staying at a hotel in Petaluma that night. And so that morning we had gone to check in. And the minute I walked in, I was like, oh, this place is haunted. And that's not an energy that I usually pick up on. Um, but we checked and left our bags and left and went, did the study, went to dinner. And I didn't mention to my daughter that I thought it was haunted. And when we were at dinner, she said, well, you know, mom, it's haunted. And I said, well, yes, how do you know that? And she said, I could just feel it. So that night we went back. I kept trying to adjust the thermostat. It would drop down to 65. I'd raise it. It dropped down to 65 every five minutes. It was just this battle. So she went to bed. I said, okay, I'm going to go take a shower. So I go and get in the shower. And literally in the exact same moment, the water went ice cold. The lights went totally out. It was pitch black in there. And I was saying, Ashley, that's my oldest daughter, Ashley, Ashley, because I wanted her to come turn on the lights for me. And I get out and I, and I see in my mind this elderly woman. And I know that she's afraid to go into the light. And she tells me she's been in this space for about 50 years and she's afraid of being judged. So my daughter comes in, I, you know, I 
we get the lights on and everything. And I, and I told her what happened and she was like, okay, I'm going back to bed. And I'm like, who does that? I just told you there was a ghost in the room. And she's like, you'll handle it. And she literally goes to bed. So I'm like, okay. So what I do before I try to go to sleep that night is I start calling in the light, calling in the angels and speaking to this woman and saying, you're safe. It's okay. This is where you need to go. You're going to be loved. And I get this visual, I'm watching her from behind and she's walking and she's hunched over. And I see these two huge, magnificent angels come in, one on each side of her. And I see the light open in front of her and I see her take a step into it. And as she steps into it, she literally stands up tall. Her hair is longer. She is healthy and young and gone. And the rest of the night, I slept fine and the heater stayed on. Mm, That's great. Can you give us an anecdote of one of your mediums where it was so amazing that you were even surprised by it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Gosh, that would be... Re- okay, so I've done thousands of readings, but there are some that step that stand out. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I was reading for a gentleman who had a heart transplant, and I've never had this happen before. As I was reading for him, the man whose heart he had came through and had a message for him. And I could tell this man was about 43. I could tell his name started with the letter B. I felt like he obviously transitioned from a head trauma, so an aneurysm or something like that. And he came through and he said to him, I want you to know I wasn't ready to go, but I'm so happy that you're able to stay here longer because of me. And the gentleman that I was reading for said, tell him thank you. Tell him I want to make him proud and I'm going to live the best life I can. And it was so heartfelt. And to me, that just blew my mind in a way, right? Because I've never had that happen before, but I always think our loved ones are connected to us. Our angels are connected to us. Our life guides are. But on this universal level, this man who never met this other man in all of life, who has no family relation to him, knew that he had been gifted with his heart Mm. and came through to give him a message. Mm, That's great. Do your experiences fade like dreams or are they still intact and just as real if you think about them today as when they happened? Yeah, no, um, the NDEs are just as real as when they happened. Hmm. They don't fade like a dream. Now, readings, when I do readings for people, those tend to fade. But I, I always think that's because I'm just channeling or getting the information and giving it to them and it's not for me. So it's okay if I don't carry it or hold on to it, if that makes sense. Hmm. What do you think is the best part about being a medium? Seeing people find peace. Because I always think as a mom, if my kids can't be with me, I just need to know that they're okay and they're healthy and they're okay where they are, right? So whether that's at their friend's house or the movie theater or wherever they might be in this world, if they're not here with me, I just need them to be okay. And so I get the honor of working with parents whose children have transitioned And I get to see them leave with peace, knowing that, okay, my child's not in their body right here with me, but my child is still connected to me and sending me signs. And my child is at peace and my child is okay. A lot of my comments are from people who have lost somebody and they're searching or looking for reassurance that their loved one is still living. What kind of advice can you give those people? Yeah. I mean, if they're open to mediumship, that is a great way. Because you're going to, um, let me also tell you with that, I am a certified medium and I highly recommend you go to a certified medium. So if you go to find a certified medium 
all of the mediums on there have been tested. So I know for sure if you don't have someone good at work, that's a good word of mouth, you know, they're legitimate because that is part of, part of the problem with this. But what I would say to people who are looking for that is that your loved ones never leave you. So they're always sending you signs. And, and a lot of times their logical brains talk us out of that. So you wake up in the morning, you're walking to get your coffee and you smell your loved one. And you're like, oh, I clearly must've been imagining that, mm-hmm. but you didn't. Your loved one sent you that smell of them or sent you something that would make you recognize them. And there are certainly signs that are easier to blend with here on earth, hummingbirds, butterflies, feathers, things like that, that our loved ones use regularly to connect with us. But I've heard amazing things. I've heard people tell me like, my son, somehow the picture frame that was always in the living room ended up in the back of my car and no one knows how that has happened. So there are some really huge signs that you can't deny, but I would say our, our loved ones are always trying to communicate with us. Dream visits are a really big way but we talk ourselves out of it all the time. It's interesting that you mentioned dream visits. Do you think that if you see someone who's transitioned in a dream, even if it's not talking about their transition, it could be just some kind of random thing that happens in the dream. Do you think it's always that they're visiting them in the dream with intent or it's just a casual dream about somebody? I think there are casual dreams, but I think when you have that dream visit, so my mom transitioned in 2018 and I've only had one with her and it was as real as my near-death experiences. And when I hugged her, she felt as solid as the chair that I'm sitting in. And so when you have this dream visit, you know that it goes to another level. And she visited my husband in a dream not too long ago. And it was interesting because he said in his dream, he was walking out to the kitchen and she was sitting there eating Doritos because she loved Doritos, right? But she'd always had this certain way that she would wipe her mouth. And he said, and she wiped her mouth like this. I had literally forgotten my mom had done that. And he did too. So at that point, you're like, okay, it was a casual dream in a way, but at the same time, it was a visit because she did something that brought back a piece of her that none of us had thought about in years. So you're a busy mom and you do mediumship. What else do you got going on that you want us to know about? Yeah, well, so I do a lot of online groups. I do in-person sessions and groups in Phoenix. I have a um, possibly a deal in the works with Netflix. I've got another documentary coming out on Amazon Prime in the next couple of months. So there's a lot going on. It's a real exciting time. I think you have a YouTube channel as well. Is that correct? I, yes, I do. What's that called? It's just called Medium Michelle Claire. <laughs> All right. And I will put a link to that in the, in the description below. Thank you. Um, what do you think inspires you the most about your experiences? Just knowing that we're not living this life alone. There are so many times that each of us feel alone in this life, whether it's in little things or big things. And after having these experiences, I'm so aware that we all have something that I call a spirit team, which is our angels, loved ones, and life guides who are actually truly helping us and guiding us on this journey. And, you know, I've had people say to me, especially with COVID recently, my loved one died alone in the hospital. And I said, no. You never die alone. You never die alone. You might not have a human in that room with you, but no one dies alone. And so really realizing that we're not living this life alone is huge. And knowing also that I would say when I had these near-death experiences and Jesus came in, the energy I had from Jesus wasn't like, I am above you. It felt like a friend. Mm 
right? So I think that's some of the training we've had from different religions over time is that they're above us, they're judging us or whatever they are, right? Granting us this miracle. And yet his energy in that experience was, he was there as my friend to help me. There was no power shift, if you want to call it that. And so really actually realizing that this world can be an amazing place if we give it the opportunity. And if you start asking for help and looking for help and guidance, it's going to be there for you. You kind of mentioned feathers and butterflies and stuff. Are there other signs that we can look out for that we can recognize people who are trying to communicate with us? There are signs. They use electricity. So electronics will flicker. Your radio will turn on by itself. The lights burn out. That's a really easy one for them to blend their energy with. They will also sometimes, I've actually had a friend tell me that she found letters on the floor of her room from 20 years ago that were not there previously from her grandparents. So they're actually able to somewhat move some of our things. And in saying that, you know, people act like, oh, I had a spiritual experience. It was a big deal. Or people have spiritual experiences and choose to ignore them because they don't know what to do with them. But all of life is spiritual because we are souls having this experience. So there are so many signs. But I will tell you this. Your loved one is trying to connect to you in the way that you will understand and get it. So for someone who's very musically oriented, They might hear that song that makes them think of their loved ones every time, but they're always connected to you in your energy field. So the thing is, start looking for what are you seeing the most numbers. Sometimes it's repeating number patterns that our loved ones use, but there are many, many ways. What do you think people do after they transition over? Do they reincarnate eventually? Do they go to other dimensions eventually? And with that, Is there a time limit that we have to be able to connect with loved ones? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And so, yes, I do believe in reincarnation. I do not believe it's ever forced on us to evolve. I always believe it's a choice. So imagine you have eternity and you're in heaven playing and everything's perfect and going right. And then you're thinking like, this is great, but I'd really like to learn a lesson about this. And so in this span of eternity, 100 years is the blink of an eye, right? So you think, okay, I'm going to jump down to earth for five minutes. I'll be right back. And I'm going to see what this feels like. So you're just waiting in the waters of earth or whatever. And so yeah, I do believe souls reincarnate because it's an easy place to learn lessons. And I will tell you also with that, To me, I see a soul like a mosaic. So I feel like each life will be its own piece, but it's part of the bigger puzzle. So if I were going to tell you I'm connecting with your grandmother right now, that piece of your grandma will always be that piece, if that makes sense. So even if your grandma has reincarnated, the part of her that was your grandma will always be that piece. And I'll be able to connect with that and get information for you from that piece. So are you saying a piece of us, like our higher self, is always still in the astral world? Yes, I am saying that. Hmm. I am saying that because that's when we connect with, we call it your inner being, your source, your higher self, whatever you want to call it. Yes, this is just like our soul dipping the toe in the water when we come into this earth life. And, And I do believe in other dimensions and other universes. I don't believe that our souls are bound by time or space. So I believe if you say, hey, I've had enough of planet Earth for a while. I want to go check out this place. I feel like the answer is always yes, as long as you're coming to learn and grow. Do you think anybody can be a medium? 
I think everybody has the ability to be a medium because all you need is your soul. And that's where the most information comes through. However, I will describe mediumship kind of like math, right? Everyone can kind of do basic math, but I will never be a physicist. So there will be a certain level that people kind of plateau at, but it is a muscle and you can always grow it and make it stronger and strengthen it in that way. So yes, I believe everyone to a certain level can have their own mediumship connections. Before we wrap it up here, do you have one last positive message that you can share with everyone? I do, that there's always opportunity in life, even if the opportunity is only how you're going to respond to the situation. And in knowing that, it gives us power. So taking your power back to yourself, to your soul, and sometimes choosing to be happy on a day where you're not necessarily feeling happy, but saying, no, I'm going to be happy. And looking for those little things, it's really huge. So pay attention to the opportunities and know that you are always surrounded, supported, and guided. That's a great message. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to seeing you on TV, on Netflix, and I wish you massive success in whatever you're doing. Thank you so much. It's been such an honor and pleasure to connect with you today. All right. Thank you and enjoy your day. Thanks. You too. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.